How much exactly are you getting for me? I don't think that's any of your concern, but I'll tell you just to, just to tell you. A hundred thousand. A hundred thousand? Does that mean you take a hundred thousand and let me go? Not by a long shot. Two hundred thousand? I never took a payoff in my life, and I'm not going to start with someone like you. Why not? Because you're a fucking criminal, and you deserve to go where you're going, and I'm going to take you there. And if I hear any more shit out of you, I'm going to fucking bust your head, and I'm going to put you back in that fucking hole, and I'm going to stick your head in the fucking toilet bowl, and I'm going to make it stay there. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fascinated with Films. I am your host, Robert Loja. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> That's awesome, man. It's a shame we lost that man too soon. He could have totally tagged our podcast. Yep. Good thing he recorded it before <laughs> Yeah, I know. He died. What the hell? <laughs> well, it's like James Earl Jones, you know, the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. He's doing the voice of Vader, but I think it's a, uh, it's an, uh, it's like an, uh, a computer program that they're putting it through. And it's allowing them. He's not actually going in the studio and doing it. They're using all his, I guess, my voice is my passport. Yeah, yeah, yeah pre-recorded <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, it is kind of, it's kind of sneakers-like, so it's very interesting. Uh, so how you been? I've been good. Yeah? I bet you can't guess what I've been doing. Oh, no, I know exactly what you've been doing. What have I been doing? You've been sweating in the heat. Yes. Playing your golf, yes. that's for sure. I went down south and uh, for a quick overnight visit to the uh, to the family down there, which was fun. Uh, I think I watched some movies too since the last time. Oh, you know what I did watch was um, Suspiria. Do you ever watch the nineteen like seventy seven Dario Argento uh, horror movie Suspiria? Uh, it's one of the it's one of his best movies, and Eric, it's one of his favorite movies of all time. And I've I've known about it forever, and I think I've owned it for years. And I watched it when I was younger, but it was one of those, most of those Italian horror movies are very artsy, and you can't really get into them unless you kind of got an odd taste when you're younger. So you kind of get into them later in life, and I, I rewatched it, and it was fabulous. Uh, really great kind of moody, just horror gothic kind of haunted house. It was like a haunted uh, ballerina uh I guess it was a it was a ballerina troupe, but they were all at a boarding house, a bunch of girls, and uh, what it is was it called? Suspiria, is and that... they did a remake for it with that Chloe girl who played uh, Hit Girl, and uh, okay. Tilda Swinton played the evil kind of madam who ran the boarding house and everything, and she's creepy as shit, and you, you realize that they're dealing with the devil there, and it, it's fun. It was cool. Had a lot of kind of shocking kind of elements in it where like zombies were coming alive and she had like pins in her eyes and she was floating across the room it's good stuff it's cronenberg no it's not cronenberg <laughs> but dario argento no i meant you the know re- his daughter did the remake and his daughter uh helped get anthony bourdain killed is that one asia <laughs> she was a very evil person man really evil, evil, i didn't i didn't do a deep dive on her because i really liked her and she she this is how crazy this woman is. <laughs> she was one of the first to come out against Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. She was the one who was caught with a picture. Yeah, of, with but a, then she then she starts sleeping with this underage boy yeah. and lets him take selfie photos together, <laughs> and then breaks up with him and, mm-hmm. and acts horrified when they come out. Like you, you were fighting for years against the wrongs of being taken advantage of yeah. as a young person, and then you turn around and do it. That, I, it's, it's weird how often that happens. You know that. 
Yeah. It's like people that are like super anti-gay turn out to be gay. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things that if you come out that hard against something, people uh, often, especially psychologists, really have to look at your, uh, especially something that makes no sense why you'd be so upset about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah crazy. The, the uh, people need to relax. Well, I did like <laughs> Ar- uh, Asia Argento in Land of the Dead. That was like the only movie. I know he put her in a lot of movies if you go into his category. What... The one reason I don't like her is because I did like her. Oh. <laughs> when she directed one of the episodes for Bourdain, yeah. it w- she was in it. Oh, she really? She was taking him around oh, probably the country. Italy. Probably in yeah, Italy. Yeah, showing him where she, where she lived. Mm-hmm. She, he had dinner one night at her house. I mean, I think they were full on dating already, but yeah. she is a director. She directed this episode. Yeah. And it was a great episode. And they really had chemistry. And I was like excited because she was really beautiful. And, uh, you know, kind of hip. Because yeah. Bourdain's kind of hip, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. No, it looked like a good match with those two. Yeah. And then for her... Like to, they were just toxic together. And then together. For him to kill himself, which is... I I get it. I mean, he was he's had pain his whole life. Yeah. But yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, I don't think it, she's doing much anymore I think in movies. She, <laughs> she, she, she pushed the needle to yeah, yeah. do it, though. That's the point. Yeah, I don't think she's doing a whole hell of a lot of movies anymore. Maybe she might be directing smaller budget too, stuff. So she yeah, might, it she's might, probably disappeared but you know what? for now. I bet Italy thinks... I bet yeah, that doesn't matter much in no. Italy. And he, I think he was 17. It was it, like... It wasn't... It wasn't it really was, young. It, it was like a... He was like was, 16, yeah. 17, maybe. Yeah. And they definitely don't look that... Uh, that no. quite as it dead. probably wasn't and, even a crime. Well, sixteen's different than twelve, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Oh yeah, so it's kind of crazy. Yeah, they, I bought some uh, massive, uh, not massive, but I bought a bunch of Blu-rays this week. I bought that Raw, which I can't stop thinking about. That's that Cannibal one at the Vet School Girl. I ended up buying it because I, I was like, it's gonna go off uh netflix and i'll never be able to find it again and those some of those indie movies are super hard to find and expensive like i i missed the boat on sound of metal when it first came out i could have got it like in red box for like 5.99 now what, it's like 25 what's your most expensive movie in case you suddenly pass and i have to oh i have to well, borrow, i have to borrow one <laughs> expensive movie like, i mean i got an expensive i got movie? like, like the, the quadrilogy of the alien no those are you can get those a dime a dozen it's yeah. it's all the old it's all horror, horror dvds like an original swamp get. thing yeah like, yeah if you if i had if i had that it would be uh the uncut one but yeah it, it would be it, those old old horror movies i'm telling you vhs's are making a big thing right now and I think I'm going to regret I found a – I was super excited. Not that I would ever get rid of it, so this is the only thing I can justify it with, is I found a Big Trouble in Little China VHS, the original, not the, uh, one of the original VHSs, not the re-release with the mm. box on top and everything. Uh, and it was sealed. And I've seen some of the sealed ones go for uh, anywhere from like 1200 to $2,000, and I unwrapped it. <laughs> and I put it on my uh, case uh, and I'll never play it, but it just looked better on my case without the plastic. This was I mean, way if you're never going to sell it, it doesn't matter. This was way before. I think I had looked it up, and I might have been able to get 40 bucks for it at that time. So, But now it's taking off, and a lot of the horror movies, horror movies specifically, if you can find, like like me and Eric have seen uh, Return of the Living Dead go for like $250 and uh, certain ones like that, it's crazy. But it's a, it's a market now. It's crazy. I bought, uh, I got a great... Uh, Deal from Eric. I bought a mint, uh, in the box, complete copy of uh, Ghost and Goblins. For, I mean, the for one hundred and twenty-five dollars. You have a so, you have a connection to get good stuff. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. No, that Ghosts and Goblins I just bought would have been 250 on eBay. Yeah. But he'll give it to me 150 He knows. Because he can't, buy, sit there he can't buy everything yeah. that comes and, in. So. And he got, when he bought a lot of his stuff, he'll get it as a lot. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. as long as he breaks it up for, oh, yeah. and it makes a decent amount of money on it, sometimes I'm sure that he gets a lot and he'll sell one item and it pays for the lot. And then everything yeah. after that is gravy, That's you know? So. Uh, I always get great deals from him, but in, uh, it's it's fair on both of our things, and it allows him to get rid of something that's not going to sit on the shelf. Too for bad six he lives months. in an inhospitable place. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not to me, not especially not these days when it's so friggin' hot. It was hot as hell. Uh, Christina, my wife, said that we were out in the back lanai at my mom's house over last weekend at, at in the at night at like eight p.m. and said it's the hottest she's ever been. She said she thought she was going to pass out. She had to go inside the house. She says the only other time it was that hot was when she was over at your house for the barbecue. Okay. Uh, that one time yeah, before yeah. we were going to Nelly's yep. for one of the movie premieres and she had to go into that cold room in the front uh, thing. And she, I don't think she left that room for the rest of the day. I think both times she was teetering on like heat exhaustion. I That's think. crazy. It's, not, it's no joke, she, man. Well, but, you got to be acclimated to it because here's the thing. I mean, I played golf last yeah, you have yesterday no afternoon as as until keep, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. As long afternoon. as you're drinking I had water. a hat. I have my Gatorade. You're in a cart. In the summertime, I ride in a cart. I walk from September 20th to like May something. Yeah. I walk. I don't ever ride unless it's a tournament and everybody's riding. Yeah, Yeah, we're getting into the point where it's insane to do people. If you go at 7.30 in the morning, you can tee off at 7.30. You can walk. If you walk nine, you're fine. If you walk 18, the last five holes. I think I heard somebody say that the average, it's like seven miles. Six miles. Six miles? I think Turkey Creek is like five or six miles. It's crazy. So it's like a six-mile walk with with heavy-ass well, clubs. Well, I push my clubs on a You cart. got like Rodney Dangerfield clubs, or are we talking? No, I, I have a big <laughs> bag. It's heavy. I've carried it a few times, but it, as dorky as carts used to be yeah. back in the day, like if you were a teenager and you had a golf cart and you were pushing it with your clubs on it, we would oh, yeah. make fun of you for until the day was... Whatever. Over. Nowadays, people yeah. don't give a shit. Comfort. Yeah, comfort is Comfort in. is like you, They look at you if you're carrying it. They're like, look at this dork. Uh, that's awesome. All right. I say we get into some great flicks. Last week, we had a really good match with uh, Justin, and we talked uh, Poltergeist and Spies Like Us, two fantastic 80s films. So we'll see what we got going on today. So I'll pick a number for you first. Let me pick number 21. All right, 21. Red Dawn. Oh, nice. One of my favorite movies. It's one of the uh, the first the PG-13. Yeah, I think it was the first PG-13 movie to be released. Uh, yeah, no, that's going to be great. All right, pick a number for me. 11. 11. All right, let me look on my list. Midnight Run. Oh, man, this is so exciting to be able to talk about Midnight Run. I love Midnight Run, dude. This is a super exciting one. I read the book. I, I love this movie. All right, before it, I will, we'll hold off on that. I want to talk some, uh, let's let's go straight on to Red Dawn. Wolverines. Yes. So it was like the first PG-13 movie. Spielberg was making Temple of Doom. He They threatened to... Uh, to give Spielberg, it an R. Yes, what Spielberg wants. Yeah. He, they threatened to give him an R rating for it, and he, he went and he petitioned, and they started the PG-13, and that's what they got for Temple of Doom. But the first movies to roll out with a PG-13 was Red Dawn, and I think there was one other one, and then, then it went into Temple of Doom when that was to be released. What was Goonies? Goonies was PG. Just PG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I want to say Gremlins was PG-13, but maybe not. Maybe I'm incorrect about that. Maybe Gremlins is PG. I mean, PG. it sounds like it should be... 
Yeah. It, it was a horror movie. I mean, it was it was a straight up horror movie. You go back the last watch. five minutes of that movie. If yeah. that doesn't scare children, when he's flame, when he's on fire, that fuck that. Watch spike. the scene with a. It's just the mom in the house. Yeah, just the, the mom microwave. in the house, or when she's attacked by him in the tree. Yeah. <laughs> the music and everything. It's dark, but it's it's Joe Dante. That's the reason he can make like Disney movies look dark as fuck. Yeah. yeah, he's he's got that ability. As long as you have, <laughs> as long as you have a cute little fuzzy thing that goes. What? <laughs> but today we're going to be talking about who is John Melius is the director of Red Dawn, the uh, uh, the OG Red Dawn, who? not this bullshit. John Melius. John Melius is a Spielberg guy. He helped write 1941. He did a whole bunch of stuff. I think he also directed uh, Conan. If I'm not uh, uh, incorrect, on we won't that. hold I'm that pretty against sure. him. Let me look up. We uh, won't hold that against him. Let me look up uh, Red Dawn real quick here. Now, talk about the cast, all right? Because not since The Outsiders. It was a Brat Pack reunion. Yeah, but, of it's, sorts. but the before this, The Outsiders was probably the most impressive cast they ever assembled of young people. And Red Dawn it was, was the, the who, next one. who's who of the, you know, young Hollywood Let's at the go time. through them. So we got Patrick Swayze. Charlie Sheen. And he must have just been in... Platoon, right? No, this was way before Platoon. This, this was, was way before uh, Platoon? This was 84. Platoon well, was 86. Really? Yeah. So 84, John Melius is the director. Yep, he was famous for... Uh, he, he wrote Apocalypse Now. He wrote Conan the uh, Destroyer. He wrote Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, and as a director, though, let me see as a director, because I know he has done several. Flight of the Intruder, Failure of the King, Red Dawn, Conan the Barbarian. Uh, yeah, Conan the Barbarian. And this one were its two big ones, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so we got Patrick Swayze, Charlie Sheen, uh, baby from Dirty Dancing. That's right. Uh, we got uh, uh, Jennifer, Gray, Jennifer Gray, Leah Thompson. Who are we missing? We have uh, Leaf Garrett. Yeah. Uh, so there was several people from The Outsiders in this. Yep. C. Thomas Howell, yep. who uh, Powers Booth, Harry Dean Stanton. Damn, we are missing a couple, but not many. And some of the younger guys I didn't know. Like the real young guy, I'm not sure I ever knew who he was. Yeah. And then the old guy I like that gave the... Uh, the the um, horses to them? Gave the horses and the girls. Yeah. <laughs> Take these girls. So, let, I mean, why don't you give us the synopsis of, so if you're not familiar with Red Dawn. If you grew Dawn, up in the 80s... First of all, don't watch the remake. It's it's garbage. It's I, I enjoyed it as cinema, but... You gotta watch the original. Yeah, the original was it's classic, and it was it was edgy. You know, it was a good war movie slash oh, yeah. kids movie slash just and survival movie. It was sort of a a fantasy world where where Russia and Cuba and not far fetched ideas <laughs> and uh, some of South America were able to get together and invade the United States and sort of divide the country and. Basically, they got here and now they're holding territory. So there's yeah. a, there's a battle but on right our the, soil. But right from the beginning, you one know, of the greatest opening scenes. Oh, it's great. You've got uh, Frank McRae. He's awesome. Frank McRae from 1941 and a whole bunch of other uh, great he, stuff. He's teaching. He was, wasn't he the police commissioner? Oh yeah. In, yeah. Uh, in a legal, loaded weapon. Loaded weapon. Loaded weapon. Yeah, 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 yeah. And some uh, serious ones too. I think he uh, because they were making fun of him and. Uh, Damn, I want to say it was for, not 48 hours, maybe another 48 hours. He was also uh, the the police chief in, maybe not. Well, he's, yeah, he's teaching like the history class yep. and through the windows, big windows in this like classroom. You see people parachuting into the schoolyard. Yeah. And then he's like, what's going on here? And then he walks out and uh, what's going on, friend, is what he says. And they just 
pull up their AK-47s yep. and just blow them away in front of the students. And at, at that point, it's like chaos. It's then like they, the beginning of that. they shoot the windows out at yeah. the students and killed a couple students. Oh, yeah. So it's a school shooting. But then it's like a, like, get the fuck out of Dodge. Like, remember, they're running for their vehicles. And, like, they had to leave that one guy behind. Yep. They're all in the pickup trucks. And he's leaving his dad behind. Because they're screwing through, like, the city. It almost reminded me of the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Remember when Sarah Polly jumps through the window? Her husband tries to kill her in the bathroom, and she jumps through the window, and she goes outside, and the whole outside world is already in full chaos, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and people are running down the street, and that's kind of how that opening yeah. Red Dawn was. It was frightening. Yeah. They were just trying to get people and gather supplies, yeah. and because nobody knew what was happening. It, it was told in a good time period, too, 84. Well, that's we what were I all, said. We were, we're all, all very edge scared. Because of the Cold War. Yeah. We all had that red scare that it was about to happen. You know, the, the uh, there was... I mean, Reagan in office, you knew there was kind of some animosity with him in Russia, and you never knew what he was going to do. So it, it the Fair potential enough. that this could have possibly happen was very real, and how people reacted to it was very interesting. So yeah, we're basically following one football team of guys that are all on a football team together. The, the mascot are the Wolverines yep. for the school. And I, it looks like this was filmed in like British Columbia or uh, it, it had or yeah. the woods had some really great elements in the woods, it, but it was a lot of cliffs and overlooks too. Yeah, for I, sure. Actually, they they say the name. Let me look. They oh. say the name of it when the Russians are visiting the statue member and they're trying to translate. And oh, they that's thought, right. That's they thought right. They found an arrow. Was it South Dakota then, or something? Yeah, like something that? like that. Let me look. Uh, okay, I'm right on here now. Visually stunning. Wherever they were, had like it looked great, man. It had like a deserty feel to it. And, but it had mountains where pe- they so they took off to the mountains. New Mexico uh, was all filmed in New Mexico, except for, yep, all filmed in New Mexico. So Bang. I'm not sure it was supposed. I went to Las Cruces for a week. Hot, talk about hot! It was this <laughs> hot. Well, it actually was hotter than this, less humidity, but it was like you just felt it. Yeah, like the, it's, it sounded hot. No, but that's two all hours my away in the mountains. It was yeah. snowing. Yeah, that's how. And we went. That's how. Denver so we is. we met. In the we met in the basin for two days. Went to the mountains for like three or four days. That's good. You're ready for it so, at that point. Yeah. It's so hot. <laughs> it's crazy they can change that. Fast. So I, I love the. What was great about this one is the character development throughout the whole thing with yeah. all of these characters. We got to see them all. They were all given a really Patrick Swayze. Did we say great, him? Because yeah, Patrick Swayze. Okay, because yeah. he's sort of the, the leader. Yeah, because he was probably it, and they established their. The, the script was so incredible that they established different stuff for different characters yeah. or who they were yeah. and how C. Thomas Howell was very meek he became, at the beginning. He became the badass oh, of the whole He became the badass, group. but at the beginning he was crying. Yeah. He, couldn't, he yeah. couldn't keep it together. And then Charlie Sheen was brothers with Patrick Swayze yeah. and their father. He was good actor in this movie. I can see why he got cast in Platoon. Oh, yeah. The scene, because we see, it's kind of, everybody seems to think he's this like embarrassingly... Terrible actor, but you got to no, no, remember he's good. He, he, he was really good. Back I mean, in the if, day. if you liked he's a train him, wreck now. But. If you liked him from Two and a Half Men, and that was he was a silly character of himself at that point. But they're paying him five million dollars an episode, so yeah, take the five million dollars. Uh, I heard somebody say this week if because of the how popular uh, Top Gun colon Maverick is uh-huh. that they if they do not do Hot Shots colon Hopper really soon with uh it's a very big misstep because they could totally do that and bring back hot shots with charlie sheen and just fill it with everybody and yeah. it would be awesome <laughs> america is ready for that type of humor man they're the farley brothers should be doing something right now they should be doing all sorts of stuff like that so anyways uh 
once again, yeah, the the way these characters were kind of established, one of my favorite shots, so they go into the woods and they kind of regroup and they cry and they figure out what the hell is going on. But then they go and meet the old man and the, the old man gives him the weapons and he's like, I got a couple other heirlooms I want to give to you. And I, I love the, the, the wife's reaction. No, don't do it. And then uh, they open the fruit I mean, cellar. you don't want her to get ca- them to get captured. No, no, soldiers. you don't want that. No, that's a, a rape and a murder. Yeah. You, you take yourself up no before they come I mean, in. There might be people getting prosecuted in Ukraine, but not at a fraction of what's happening. Yeah. No, those girls would be raped and murdered and probably raped several times. So it, it's a horrible thing. And uh, so Jennifer Gray. brought the pod down. Yeah, Jennifer Gray <laughs> and Leah Thompson, two uh, gigantic actors in the 80s oh, yeah. and even still now. And I, I loved both of them in this. I love how they both toughened up. I love the relationship yep. that Leah Thompson had with Powers Booth. And then the, the what they had going on with uh, Jennifer Grey was really good. And the stuff with her, uh, with the grenade at the end was, was awesome. I mean, and they, no one was safe in this movie. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no was, they were taking It wasn't going to be a heroic ending where all seven of them are standing on the rock waving the American flag. Yeah. It I'll, doesn't even, the movie doesn't even end... With a resolution. No. Really? No, it really doesn't. The war doesn't end. It's <laughs> th- There's so many good scenes in this movie. I'm interested in what your favorite scene is. My my favorite scene, there's like two scenes that I really, really enjoy. And one of them is visiting Harry Steen, Dean Stanton in the concentration yeah, camp. Yeah, yeah. So they're able to get into town. And Patrick Swayze and... Uh, they have people locked up they think can help, like... Lead a resistance or be yeah, part of a resistance. So, so basically, anybody that's trouble. basically anybody that's a male in the ages of fourteen yeah. to fifty-seven. And so Patrick Swayze and Charlie Sheen's dad, who's played by Char- uh, Harry Dean Stanton, comes up, and it's probably the hardest, most serious role Harry Dean Stanton's ever played because he he's usually good too, light. man, and he, and he yeah. has to, he has to like scream out loud, really. Yeah. Forcefully, usually as a very light kind of actor with Mm -hmm. some comedy, it's more like that pretty in pink character that he always plays, Mm -hmm. or even an alien. But this one, he was hard, man. And and even his discussion, I raise you guys hard for this moment right here. You're gonna, you're gonna thank me for this, and then the whole avenge me type of thing. But man, when they realized the tracker, oh, that uh, was a hard scene to watch because because Leif Garrett was his dad. uh, What's the guy from uh, Son-in-Law? Wasn't it his dad? Dodge? Yeah, Dick Dodge. Yeah, yeah. What the hell was his name? Let me look it up now. I got the cast pulled up. No, uh, I thought that was his name. It's not His name isn't Dick Dodge, <laughs> but it, it is on uh, Distinguished Gentleman, uh, which is awesome with him. Yeah, tell us about that scene where they, they're just all... It's I love that we get to so see the woods ambushed, and then the snow. They got ambushed a couple of times. And then... So the scene starts. It's fresh snow. And Wait, it's not Leaf Garrett. I'm, I'm still thinking the Leaf guy Garrett. from the outside. He looks just like him. It's Darren Dalton. Yeah, they got to look like. He was in the outsiders also. That's why I'm confused. He him. was the son of the mayor. Yeah. And what had happened is we didn't know it at the time, but the, the father was trying to negotiate with the guys. He's like, let me get my son. He's a good boy. He's, not gonna, he's caught up with these guys. So was, he was basically selling out the, the, the group. Lane Smith is his name. Okay, trying to get his son back. And so I think him and his son talked, and uh, they let him put a tracker on his suit. Yeah. So that when he came back to the group, they could use the tracker to find out whether they're all located and ambush him. So the ambush happens and uh it doesn't go well for the Russians. And uh they didn't understand why how they found them. 
And so, remember, he, he yeah. picked up the thing, and he's walking towards the guy. It's like and the tracker's beeping like going, it's aliens. And you're like, oh, this guy sold him out. Oh, so man. I thought they were going to banish him. Yep. And they, I think they would have. They were they were going to have a long discussion yeah. about what they were going to do. They should have banished him. Come on. I mean, yeah. They should have banished him. He would have... Just uh, sent him back to town. Just sent him back. But, I mean, there is some hardcore people that would have been like, yeah, but they know where they are yeah. at this moment. But it's still... And I, I love because the idea I that think, we're like, where listen, is it? I have a feeling if you put a gun in this guy's face and says, we can kill you or you can go back home and you can shut your mouth. Yeah, he would have done that. Yeah. But I, I love where they were like, where's the tracker? I swallowed it. You know? Oh, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. See, I thought he had it on his clothes. No, he didn't have it, so he swallowed it. Why didn't he say they made him do it? Yeah. But C. Thomas Howell, man. This is where C. Thomas Howell broke his cherry, basically, yeah. from kind of like the weak. He always looked badass because he was the one who wore well, the beret. What's his name was trying to do it. He couldn't yeah. do it, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he had the handgun. Patrick Swayze. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, and he's like putting it up and putting it down, putting it up. And then all of a sudden, the gunshot comes from off screen. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. And kills the guy right in the chest. Like, so he has a few seconds and to die. Everyone's shocked. Yeah. And he, he just falls. He falls into C. Thomas Howell, who just yeah. shot him. And, and now like he's blood. covered with the yep, guy's Covered blood. with the blood and everything. And you're like, whoa, what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. And that started the slow decline of characters. Yeah. But the, my, favorite, my favorite scene, other than the assault at the end, yeah. was uh, the tank battle. Oh, yeah. Two with tanks the, were shooting at each other. So Powers Booth, they so, come across yeah. Powers Booth, who's like a fallen uh, Air Force pilot. Yeah. And they get information from him, and they are, he's like shocked that they're able to do this. But he teams up with them, and yeah. they start taking stuff they, down. Yep. They And they're pretty successful. They yeah. take they blew up that plane. That was a crazy scene when they invaded that base and gave everybody guns yeah. to release yeah. everybody. And then they went to those pilots. Remember, he put a flare inside the beside the mm-hmm. pilot thing and he shut the door and then he went like this oh yeah <laughs> and he ran middle right finger and the whole thing blew up or when they have jennifer gray in the uh running across the open oh, field yeah. where where they had dug holes and the they had come up with some really clever stuff or like this you said at that monument where it was like where they found the uh the arrowhead yeah. and everything and uh she's like they're like up against the like the mountain not realizing that they're there but yeah yeah, so what happens during it? It was carelessness, wasn't it, with the, it was pretty uh, with the tank? The one dude wouldn't... Sh- remember, he wouldn't shut up. Oh, that's right. He was having he was, issues. He, he was having, like... When the gun went off, it just made him crazy, and he was screaming and screaming. That's right, and they couldn't and shut him up. They couldn't shut him up. They wanted to get on the tank and drop a mine in there to blow it up, and uh, what ended up happening is they got really delayed, and then Powers Booth went up to do it, but another tank shot him yep. and killed him right in front of everybody else. And they had to leave him there. And they, they had to leave him just, just dangling from the there. tank and run away. And at that point, the one girl had had a pretty significant relationship with this guy. Yeah. At least emotionally. Leah Thompson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, like, she, and then she hardened up almost completely yeah, after that, she, too. She put a knife to Charlie Sheen's throat, remember? She like, was pretty hard to begin uh, before that, too, because remember when she came, she was the one who found Powers Booth and uh, remember said, oh, yeah. what's the what's the, tex- uh, the capital of Texas? And he picked the wrong yeah. fucking city. And uh, she was about to shoot him. <laughs> He's like, give me a break. <laughs> uh, one of my, also my favorite scenes is when the truck drops the box of supplies. Oh, the cereal. And it's cereal and apples and everything. And yeah. watching them, watching Jennifer Grey go down there and grab it. And they're looking through the, uh, kind of the, uh, um, what are they looking through the scopes or yeah. something at her? And she's giving a thumbs up and she's like plowing through food. And they get back there and that's when the Apache shows yeah. up. Yeah. Such a great scene with that Apache well, shows this, up. That's the crazy thing. They weren't afraid to. They weren't afraid to blow up a happy moment. Yeah. At any moment in the movie. Yeah. So there was really no like. It's all right. It's been a while safe. since someone's died. Yeah. They just were 
taken one by one, and and pretty soon it was. And just they gave a, everyone good death scenes. It wasn't yeah. like uh, just just uh, flippantly done. Like yeah. when Jennifer Grey dies at this point with the Apache, she holds on to that grenade. Yeah, and she was w- mortally wounded. Yeah, they couldn't fix her. Yeah, they knew she and was going to. She couldn't get up. They couldn't move her. So she asked them to hand her a hand yeah, grenade. One so other. that one, so that when someone came over to check on her body, it blew that guy up. Oh, so it was great. We we were very excited to see that happen. And then the end that the end that always chokes. And that's why me she up, had man. to have plastic surgery on her nose. By the way. yeah, <laughs> we didn't mention the. Uh, uh, I liked her better without the plastic surgery. I did too. Uh, she, even though she looked good, the nose job good. was really good. N- nose job looked great. It just didn't look like her anymore. No, it, it, it looked it, like a different person. Yeah, it did and I couldn't, I couldn't match them in my brain. Yeah, the, the, who's the girl from? They Ferris? might have been some because she was in Ferris Bueller, which is one of them. Because she on stopped this list. doing stuff. I mean, I don't have very many comedies on this list. This hundred Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller. I bet I have ten comedies. Oh, interesting. And I, I think we talked about one. We talked Beetlejuice yeah. already. So yeah. So. Uh, no, the end sequence that always chokes me up is Charlie, uh, or is Patrick Swayze carrying Charlie Sheen's body in front of the Russian guy, yeah. and the Russian just lets Doesn't him go. Doesn't do anything. He just him lets go. him go. He just makes yeah. that movement. Wait. I love those two guys too. The guy who played the Russian and the other guy from uh, Funny Farm. You know, the guy that got it in the back of the neck oh, yeah, with the yeah. hook played yeah, yeah. the. Uh, no, not him. He wasn't in this. He actually might have been in it. But I'm thinking of the guy from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. That picked him up in the uh, convertible. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen better heads on boils. <laughs> yeah. He was funny in this and uh, in that. But in this, he was great. He played like the Cuban guy or something. So uh, I love the stuff with them talking. I love that they subtitled it too. This was That was a great thing that they, they had. It gave them a lot talking. more on th- authenticity yeah, to it because yeah. they weren't going to show him that much anyway. So why not? Yeah. It, why not subtitle it? This That's was a great done. move. Because back then, I bet, I bet movie studios hated yeah. that stuff. Teenagers loved this movie back then. We all loved it. You never found someone that didn't like Red Dawn, but it was also very deliverable to like adults. Adults were like, oh, it holds this up. Is it's still great now. Still holds up. And I think that's the problem There's- with the new one. The only good thing about the new one is they were able to get Chris uh, Chris Hemsworth. Uh, but other than that, you know what? I didn't. I didn't dislike it. It just didn't need to be done. There was just too it many just good things to about done. the original. That's yeah. the problem. There was, when there was that- no reason to do another one. When you're when the original is that good, and this fell along a time where they were doing uh, remakes, I don't think I think the the remakes are kind of gone now because they know they can just dip their toe in the universe or and go not backwards, walk backwards, walk forwards, walk or, backwards, or or, you or can just do parallel universes, ancillary character. Yeah. Like let let's, let's see, follow this person. Let's this see time. what Rick Moranis uh, did in like. Uh, in my blue heaven, Honey, I shrunk kids. <laughs> yeah. or my blue heaven, but don't mm. include the whole thing. It, it's a brilliant way of doing it. That's why shows like Kenobi is good. We're just taking one character and we're going to talk about them, and, yeah. and so we can introduce a little of that world, but not as straight. And then every four years, you can bring three or four of them together. And then you don't have yeah, and you don't have the. I mean, people are going to talk smack about that remake forever, no matter what it is. We talked last week about the Poltergeist one. It's garbage, man. It's dog shit. And people... But here's the thing. There needs to be a certain level of crap that gets made just to keep people... I suppose... Just to keep people in business. Because (laughs) as crap as the remake was, I guarantee you it made money. Yeah, and it's probably good for some 10-year-old. And you know what? Here's the silly silly thing. Yeah, here's the silly thing. I hung out with... uh, Deke from the podcast. Yeah, I think you told me you were what you're about uh, to tell me that he didn't know. And so some of his favorite movies, like his introduction to movies, like when did uh, Final Destination come out? Nineties, ninety nine, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like, so he's twenty five now. So that's probably 
Yeah, that's his era of yeah, movies. So he only, he only knew about his era, yeah. and he wanted like to Speed see is those, one of his favorite yeah, movies Yeah, he wanted time. to see those actors. Those were actors from his childhood mm-hmm. that he loves, and he goes back and watches that other stuff, and he doesn't feel the same way because we did when we saw something yeah. as a child, too. Well, that's the, that's the good thing about certain actors that kind of span those generations. Like, Keanu Reeves is our guy, yeah. but he's, he's their guy, too. You know? I mean, and even now, I mean, because he was doing... We were watching him in River's Edge and Bill and Ted, and but then in the '90s there was Speed and there was uh, what's the the Constantine one, and now he's John Wick for kids this age. That's why everyone loves they, this. Guy. I read an article that I didn't know they did a Speed Two with oh, yeah. Jason Patrick oh, that was on a cruise ship. You that, didn't know that they couldn't go. I was I, horrible. One of the worst. Yeah, the whole article was about one of, how it's one of the worst sequels ever. If we did worst sequels ever, that would be probably on they my one or two. Ripped Jason Patrick up so and down. Was as bad. The, as the, no, I don't think he was the. I mean, he wasn't good in it, but the whole movie was no. A I know. Travesty. I because I like him. Yeah. He's been in a lot of great things. Oh yeah, he yeah. has a tremendous range. He does. They, He's one he of those sold actors, out to though? get this script. He. How could you read the script and not say this movie's going to be crap? Yeah. No, that's that's the big thing. So, he's they just Jason Patrick's money that type of guy though that he comes in and he's he's either incredible or he's yeah. Eh. I don't hold it against him. Like he was in the like, Alamo movie, but the Alamo movie sucked. I mean, it wasn't yeah. all his fault. But if you show me him in Rush or Narc, or uh, I mean, those two movies, or Lost Boys, those three movies alone, he could like live his life on. Oh, but, yeah. yeah, Speed Two was garbage. We'll have to do. Let's not talk about Speed Two anymore. <laughs> we'll talk about worse sequels. Maybe that'll yeah, be our it, next segment. Just is, cut that our next out. segment might have to be just worst stuff. Worst for, stuff for like weeks and weeks. We'll just talk about worst things. Uh, our least favorite stuff. That would be good. Then we could just argue and bitch a little bit. <laughs> There's a lot of love he going on be, here I, for stuff. So we'll, we'll give a, uh, a little bit like, of the bitch. <laughs> Justin would pick Once Upon a Time. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But the worst. Yeah, but the, there's a difference between what you what you just don't like and what you consider to be dog shit. And, and that movie was clearly he just didn't like it. It wasn't dog shit. Uh, there no, are no, there, went, there are dog shit movies out there for sure. Killer, that In Dreams was one of my top dog killer shit clowns movies. from out of space. Gattaca dog shit. <laughs> I wanted to like Gattaca too, man. What a great idea. Yeah. for a movie. It was just finish finish your goddamn movie. <laughs> All right, let's let's go into mine because okay. this is a movie we're gonna we're gonna give some love here because I love everything about this movie. This is 1988's Midnight Run. Now, I'm, Midnight Run. <laughs> I I love Midnight Run. It, it's packed, filled with. I can I know that I know it because I know all the characters' names along with the actors' names. So we got uh, Robert De Niro playing Jack Walsh. You have. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Charles Grodin as Jonathan Mardukas. You've got Yafat Koto as uh, Mosley. I'm Mosley. I'm Mosley. <laughs> you have who else is in this? Joey Pants. Play, uh, damn, I can't remember now. I'm I'm getting down to the smaller characters. I don't know. Right? I don't know is, well. Was it Jerry? Who was the uh, other Jerry. guy that was his assistant? Oh, Marvin. Marvin was also. Oh, the other guy. Yeah. He was in a lot of '70s movies. Yeah. He, he was a lot more famous than I thought he was back in the day until I went and did a deep dive in the '70s movies. <laughs> This this movie, oh, so this good. is 
And it's hard to say this sometimes, but this might be my favorite Robert De Niro role yeah. of all time. It, it's one of the most he's underrated. He's not a caricature of himself like yep. he is in the mafia he's movies. He's really funny, too. He's super funny in this movie. And you never get to see him play this kind of funny. And, and a lot of it is because of Charles Grodin. Were him and Child- Sean Penn nuns trying to get across the border. Right? Yeah, I loved him in that. We're no angels. We're I thought no he was. Angels, I thought right. that was funny, too. So he, he has had his comedic roles. And even analyze that, I mean, or analyze this, both of them. Uh but this was brilliantly directed by Martin Brest, who Martin Brest had done Beverly Hills Cop. So I always liked Martin Brest. And that's where we got uh, the brilliant, uh, that's how they got Marvin involved in the, the movie. Okay. Uh, because he played, obviously, Taggett. And uh, uh, Sean is uh, John Ashton is his name yeah. in real life. And he was so brilliant in this. This is probably my favorite role by him by far, too. See, almost everybody in this movie, it's my favorite movie they ever did. Uh, maybe not De Niro because there is, but but it's at the top of the list. It's like two or three if it's not the, uh, the first. But certainly Dennis um, Dennis Farina was scary as shit in this movie. Yeah. As Jimmy Serrano. He was the, uh, the mob guy in this movie and he was so good. So basically the gist of Midnight Run is Jimmy Serrano is a mobster in uh, Chicago, and he has a connection both with Charles Grodin and with Robert De Niro. So first with De Niro, he De Niro kind of got pushed out of Chicago, and he ended up going into New York, or it was the other way around. I can't remember. It was New York. It was Chicago. But wherever Dennis Farina was, he screwed over uh, what's... Uh, no, it's Chicago because it brings us back to that main line. Why aren't you popular with the Chicago Police Department? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where Charles Grodin kept needling him on the bus. So De Niro was a cop in Chicago, and he wouldn't take like uh, money from the mob to turn his head. So he ended up packing up and moving and uh, ended up being a bounty hunter uh, Serpico, for hire. He was like Serpico. Yeah, he was like Serpico, he, Serpico basically. From Couldn't be bought. Chicago. And uh, Jimmy Serrano... Uh, I could be bought. If I was a cop, I'd be so. Yeah. If I found $100,000 in a closet, I found $47,000 in the closet. <laughs> or, or you could do what Charles Grodin does. So Charles Grodin was a big-time uh, accountant. And not the uh, good accountant either. The, he was the accountant for Jimmy Serrano. And uh, he decided to steal. I'm wondering how much money was it? was a lot. It was like, I don't know if it was a million dollars. It was a million you think it was a million? Yeah. I thought it was like eight hundred thousand. It might have been like close to a million. It was, but whatever it, it is, it was enough <laughs> to make to him, be missed. To be missed, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, he had all the books, right? Yeah, like he had, he had the logs. I think. Oh, they, he had everything, and he, he was going to turn uh, state evidence. Or yeah, something. he was going to turn on Jimmy Serrano, and I think he was he was out on bail because that's where the whole thing starts. Because Joey Pants was the uh, the bail bondsman, and he's the one who brings the the job to Robert De Niro and says, hey, this is an easy job I got you for. We have already seen at the beginning of the movie Robert De Niro do a shit job where someone shoots yeah. through the fucking door at him. Like when his head's down and he's picking the lock and that big hole in the uh, thing hits. And then um, is that the first time we see Marvin? Yeah, because he gets uh, – at some point we see Marvin doing it, and Marvin hit – his big move is to hit somebody with a car door. Yeah. <laughs> and everything. Just to stun him and then he'd throw the handcuffs on him. Oh, God, man. And, and so we get the idea of the the rival kind of bounty hunters. Because I guess they're freelancers and then just bail bondsmen will call them and say, we need this guy skipped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you skip, the bail bondsman is on the hook for all that yeah, money. they just call the bo- bounty so they hunter. they call the bounty hunter. They, they say, we'll give you X amount of money. 
And uh, well, and that's Joey Pants talking to Nero, and De Niro's like, "Why the hell did you put a bond up for it? Because if you heard of John, uh, they call him the Duke. The the uh, Jonathan Marduk is his nickname is the Duke. He's the one that screwed over Jimmy Serrano for so much money. And Joey Pants said, "I had no idea who he was when I put up the bond for him. And so when that's I put not it, good business, no, practice. it's not. And so he's on the hook for it. And if he doesn't get, and it's about to expire, so yeah, you only not, have a certain amount of time, and then the judge will mm-hmm. say he default. Oh yeah. So apparently he's got like 36 hours or like it's a guarantee to get them to trial. So if the trial is going to start on Thursday, yeah. he has to be in the He's got like a weekend to be able to but he he's supposed to get them in it there in a day. That that's the idea that he says we have we haven't uh we have a couple leads. We think he's in New York and maybe you can use some of your contacts and find out. He's very uh, clever. Where he is. De Niro. Uh, De Niro. De Niro is very clever. Very so he clever. takes it. He, he has to squeeze Joey Pants for way more money than Joey Pants is comfortable in it. And he says, hey, you want him here? You want him here by midnight Sunday night? This is my offer. I want to be out of this shit job forever. And if you want me, you're going to be paying. So he asked for like a crazy amount of money. Like $100,000. I love Joey Pants. He's like, what are you talking about? This is a midnight run for Christ's sake. Huh? Name the movie. And then uh, he says, all right, I'll do it. So we get to see him do his cool kind of detective work for just a little bit. We do get to see glimpses throughout the whole movie to to show that De Niro really is kind of the shit at this. And he probably would have been a fantastic cop if he wasn't kind of run out of the business by uh, There's Dennis a lesson is always take a payout. Yeah, is that what the message is? I think we got two totally different things out of this movie. Always take a payout. <laughs> so it starts right off where he goes to one of his friends at the police station in New York, and he says, hey, can I get the... Uh, I want the phone logs for whoever Jonathan Mardukas called when he was initially arrested. And the number came up and it was like his mother-in-law. So he ends up, uh, he goes out to, uh, not, I think right outside the mother-in-law's house and he's got a tape recorder and he calls the number and he, he's basically kind of bugging the line to be able to find out who, when he calls to talk to her, uh, De Niro calls and says, Hey, I want you to come down to the station. Yeah. Doesn't intend for her to go anywhere, but he says, I want you to come down to the station. I want you to talk about Jonathan Mardukas. Uh, and he's, she's like, okay, fine. And hangs up the phone. And now he gets to check and see who she calls immediately after that, immediately after that. And he gets that number and he, and he finds exactly where, uh, Jonathan Mardukas is shows up in the middle of the night. He had no clue. Remember, he's in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> he ends up breaking into the house, but then but he doesn't a, realize it's a dog. Yeah. So he runs into the bathroom and he's uh, like, "I'll shoot this fucking." Yeah. yeah. Dog. Charles Grodin opens the door of the bathroom and I like De Niro's he got like away. In the he could have got away. The dog was holding him off. Well, he had a gun. I know, but he would have had to dare him to shoot the dog. Yeah. So and his wife was there. He wasn't going to try anything. He was very meek. That's the thing with these very white collar. I love when they, later on when he gets to uh, meet. Jack's family and he says you don't look much like a criminal he says, I'm a white collar criminal <laughs> <laughs> really funny uh, nothing the the best thing about this movie is the, he's very dry he's the, the, very dry. dry and he's always been dry man I he's loved good. him since seems like old times and a lot of those old movies that we used to watch him in but he had a thing where he went on Carson he was on the Muppets uh, he was he was on uh, the Great Muppet, Muppet Caper, Caper yeah. but he had a really funny thing and they didn't do this from the get go when he was on Johnny Carson and he, when he was on Letterman, they realized it was funny when he was difficult with the host. So they intentionally yeah. got into like little spats yeah. where uh, Charles Grodin would just side eye him and give one word answers. No. Yes. And then uh, he did the whole thing dry on Letterman sometimes. And Letterman loved it and had him come back all the time. And everyone who watched it loved it. You're like, oh, Charles Grodin's going to be difficult on the show yeah. on purpose. We all got the joke. But 
So this is kind of where it started, you know, where his dry back and forth. You wouldn't think those two would do like one of those odd couple type pairings well, but man, they were so funny together. So it started with Jonathan Mardukas knew that he, if uh, De Niro brought him back, he wouldn't live to be able to he wouldn't go, go to trial, go to he, trial yeah, because they would kill Jimmy Serrano would shoot him uh, in the head. He's lucky if he even makes it back to, uh, to New York at all. So he know he even tells him straight up at some point I'm gonna have to give you the slip and he and did, yeah. he's just laughing at him and everything. Well, it starts on the plane. He gets freaks him to out. The, he freaks out on the airplane. He must have known the leap, loophole. Yep. And the, the they, captain comes down. He says, "You know the rules. That you you know you can't transfer a, a passenger who doesn't want to fly." I think you can now. Uh, I think yeah, they probably got rid of, I think they they just, got rid of that rule. He should have done it the Marvin way because yeah. at some point Marvin gets uh, yeah. Charles Grown and just he says, "You know what I would do? I would just sleep through it." And he punches him in the yeah. fucking head and knocks him out. Uh, some some crazy stuff with the mob stuff, like uh, the ones they considered moron number yeah, one and moron, moron number, number two. two. Uh, and then the great Philip Baker Hall was uh, who j- we just lost last week was opposite Jimmy Serrano. Remember when he's on the phone with him, and uh, Philip Baker Hall is like, "Get off that phone! Don't talk on that phone! If that phone is bugged, he's like, shut the fuck up, or I'll come across this uh, uh, desk and kill you with a fucking pencil." <laughs> he was just like harsh in this movie, yeah. man. I loved it. So. A lot of it was just Groden being difficult to make uh, uh, De Niro's life difficult, basically. One of my Because he wasn't going to fly, and then he wasn't going to uh, uh, let him... Uh, at some point when he was on the train, they had to get off the train. Yeah. And then they were... Uh, they even... Almost every transportation you could possibly imagine, short of a bicycle, yeah. they used in this movie yeah. because they were in planes. I mean, they even went planes, on, trains, and automobiles. Remember, you're a fucking that, pilot. You lied to me about being a pilot. Yeah. <laughs> my has I won't get the line right, so I probably won't even try it. But it has one of my favorite lines of all times. I've made the gesture before. Is when he's on De Niro's oh, on yeah, the yeah, phone yeah. Yeah. with him, and he's like, "Listen, this is what I want." He's talking to Joey Pants. Yeah. This is what I want. This is what you're going to give me. Because if you don't give me this, I'm going to shoot this fucking guy in the head and I'm going to dump his body in the fucking river. And he turns and looks at Charles Grodin and just kind of gives... Shakes the quick head shake with his lips. Yeah, like his head shake. No, don't worry. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were kind of friends at this point. Yeah, at some point... They started... Yeah, they... They, they didn't once have they money for working together. Oh man, that's one of the best comedic uh, scenes yeah. of any movie in the like the uh, the late '80s is when they they're completely out of money. Completely. Well, out of money. they think they, they are. Think, Spoiler alert: we, De Niro thinks they're out of money. <laughs> it finds out, it turns out, and it's really a great thing that uh, that Charles Grodin actually has all the money that he's stolen on him, yeah. and we don't realize it. It's in yeah. like a sash underneath nope. his shirt, or no, I think it's, it's around his belt. belt. That's right. That's it's right. a belt that goes under your pants. That's right. They make those for people that go travel in New York. Ah, they have just one pouch to put It's your money so in. great. The last third of this movie is really great. When De Niro loses Groden, but before that, like the, the, one of the best comedic things is they lose all the money and they have to go to this small town. And uh, De Niro's like, I'm not sure what we're going to do here. And Groden's like, why don't you leave it to me? Give me your fake badge and leave it to me. I'll take care of it. And so Groden goes into this, uh, like, just a shady dirt bar and says, uh, can I talk to you? I'm with the FBI. Because he, remember, De Niro had stolen uh, Mosley's yeah. uh, wallet early yep. on and his sunglasses. This uh, led to that running gag the whole time. <laughs> oh, I'm Mosley. Me, me and John Christian used to quote this movie back uh, and forth. It's so much going on in this movie, man. And so, yeah, what, just them hosing those kind of rednecks at the bar and doing the litmus 
configuration. Yeah. Are you doing the litmus configuration? Yeah. And he's pretending to erase stuff on the bills and saying, oh, this bill is counterfeit. This bill is counterfeit. These are real. I'm going to take these. And then the owner watches them like running with groceries in their hands for like the uh, to the train when they're running on and everything. And they're still – and uh, Groton still screws them over. Remember, he oh, he, yeah. uh, he jumps onto the uh, the freight train and, and he's he, not like, going to help. To him. He's not going to help De Niro out. He starts closing the door. and But De Niro gets on at the end and yep. climbs above and goes around and – yeah, so they they just you can't really totally it's, trust them. It's the like whole movie. a it's like a a road movie sort of. Oh, it's definitely a road movie. That I love the scene. One of my favorite scenes of the whole movie is when they actually team up with Marvin. When they get Marvin in the car, so they're all three in the car, and Marvin is a shady fucker, so he doesn't uh, stay like amicable with them for long. But I love when they're all together and they're being chased by the helicopter, and they're like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" And he's like, "Who are they after? They're after him." He's like, "Him?" He's a, and Charles uh, Groen looks at him. He says, "Yeah, me. Can you believe it?" <laughs> and they all stop the car, and it's the scene where. Uh, De Niro shoots the propeller at the edge of the, oh, yeah, uh, the yeah, cliff, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the propeller just explodes. Uh, the plane explodes on the ground, and then he ends up punching Marvin. Look out! <laughs> he ends up uh, <laughs> punching Marvin in the head, and he handcuffs him down by the uh, down by the, the wreck. Radiator. I love it when the cops show up. He says, Are "You gonna get me out of here?" <laughs> or yeah. what? And then, yeah, when he eventually gets him, and he deals with those two like morons in like the uh, uh, the parking garage. And remember, the uh, one moron realizes that they're uh, what kind of hotel he's keeping them at. And then they have that whole exchange that's going to be done at the airport with with Serrano and the mics aren't working. Remember, the bugs aren't working properly. And De Niro has to scream that uh, that Serrano's got the tapes. Oh, man, it's so exciting, man. It's so great. I'm surprised they didn't do a sequel to this movie. It really could have. And Martin Brest, I mean, he was used to sequels with. Uh, no, actually, he didn't do the sequel to Beverly Hills Cop. First Beverly Hills Cop he did, and then the second one was done by Ridley Scott. No, no, uh, Tony Scott did uh, Beverly Hills Cop too. So maybe he wasn't a sequel guy. I always thought. I mean, I'm perfect, uh, perfectly fine with it just being this iteration of uh, just one movie of, of Midnight Run. But I'm wondering if it was like a series of novels because I read the book. I mean, the the, uh, the idea of a private investigator is kind of a cool yeah like bounty that, hunter specifically yeah, bounty, bounty hunters hunter, yeah you know? i mean it, i mean didn't they make a lame ass show the well, the, the dog weird, the dog, <laughs> the yeah, dog that the guy. i never saw any of them but i, I he became i'm sure there's big. tons of bounty hunter movies that i'm not thinking of it wasn't renegade a bounty hunter movie the, the one, one with, with emilio Kiefer. estevez no Kiefer sutherland there's one with emilio estevez one of his early movies are you sure you're not thinking of uh, Renegade with Kiefer? You think you're not thinking Kiefer? Kiefer and uh, Lou Diamond Phillips no, was Renegade. Thinking so Emilio Estevez. Emilio Estevez. He was a he would he was a to- he wasn't a bounty hunter. I think he was a tow truck. Oh, Repo Man. Yeah, Repo. but that was weird. Repo Man was a uh, it was kind of a sci-fi movie with was Harry it? Dean Stanton. It was weird. It was awesome. I loved uh, I loved Repo Man, but yeah, it was it wasn't what you thought it was. Uh, but yeah, there had to have been a whole bunch of bounty hunter movies that I'm just not thinking of now. But it is a great kind of thing because you're bringing into a character. Star Wars, Boba Fett. He's about it. True. And I mean, they that series does not have hidden as well as, uh, would, as people had wished. That's crazy had. because there's an infinite number of stories you could do. Everybody's fascinated about Boba Fett. Oh, yeah. Well, until they should never until have him take his, his fucking helmet should never off. have him take his mask yeah. off. If ever. we learned anything from the Dread movie, you don't have to have him take his mask off. No. That movie was perfectly fine with his mask on. Yeah. Uh, 
so yeah, it really is a perfect scenario because you're bringing somebody that doesn't give a shit about that person, and that person has probably got a full life that has to explain it to that person to like gain their yeah, trust and their yeah. love. And, and, and what was great about Midnight Run, and spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, it's, it's in the, there's some, what year to come some surprises, 88, so it's, it's been a while. But the ending of that movie was so fantastic because De Niro kind of let him go not realizing he was going to get a single dime for it. Yeah. He just he thought he, he was just, doing the good thing. He was for doing humanity. a good thing and he That's kind the of best got way to really do a good close thing to him and get reward. Yeah. And it wasn't an unnatural closeness that they became. They went through a lot of shit together. There yeah. was that great scene where they visited his ex-wife and his daughter and he got to talk to his daughter and there was that touching scene where his daughter tried to give him money and he's like I can't take that from you. And uh, so they kind of know each other really well. And at the end, when he lets him go, and De Niro's all the way out. He's like like leaving the uh, the airport or the uh, – yeah, the airport. And Charles Grodin stops him and says, wait a second. And he gives him that sash that's kind of like around grand. his waist. Because it was uh, as much as he yeah, would have got. the neighborhood of 100,000. Yeah. He says, that's a pretty respectable neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it ends with him going out and asking the uh, the cabbie if he's got change or I'm 100. What are you, nuts? Get out of here, you loser. And then it just ends. And he says, it looks like I'm walking. Mm-hmm. And it just ends with that great midnight. I love the music on it, too. I wonder who did the I think it was Danny Elfman that did the music. The music was good. The music yeah. was really, really good. Yeah, I cannot recommend Midnight Run enough, too. And that was a big movie in 88. And it's you don't hear many people talk about it much. Like you said, it's it, it's probably I talk one to of you, the best. So I hear it all the time. Yeah, I mean, but with De Niro wise, you would think you'd be hearing it in the argument of some of his best stuff, and you don't. I mean, it's probably in most people's list. It's probably fifteenth on their list of uh, favorite De Niro films. Where I, I agree with you, it's definitely the top of my list of of De Niro stuff. He's really good in it, he and was. we don't get enough Charles Grodin. I mean. Really, after Clifford... Can you ever get enough Charles Grodin? Is he still alive? I wonder if Charles Grodin's still alive. Why do I feel like he just recently died? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he did just recently die. L- let me look up. But some, uh, I mean, we loved him in... Um, what do you call it? Uh, Muppets. <laughs> the Muppets <laughs> still where you go past, huh? <laughs> I, I loved him in Seems Like Old Times uh, for that so was much. A yeah, he just died in 2021. The uh, Seems Like Old Times was a... You would never have seen that movie if you didn't grow up in the at the time period in the eighties, when, 80s, yeah, when, 80s. Co- when cable television was on. Oh yeah, it was on a lot. It was on a lot. Christina loved it. It was one of like her that movie. She would doesn't know never have done much in the theater, and it wouldn't have been. It wasn't one of Tom. I wasn't one of Chevy Chase's. Oh, it's one. This definitely is one of his least known movies. Yeah. For sure, but I mean, it, uh, it was amazing. It's def- it's on my top hundred. List. I saw the making of Caddyshack. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah, I think I saw it back in the day, and it was uh, it was kind of dismal because you could realize that not all of them got along, and they didn't all get along. But the ones that did, they were off doing mad amounts of drugs together. And uh, yeah, yeah, the uh, I just watched the movie itself like a couple weeks ago. Well, he got hired as a director. He didn't even know which Ramus. Yeah, that yeah. was his first thing he ever did. I yeah, think. and he didn't know anything. Yeah, about I think the he had cameras or anything. Like, no, that was it. Was the uh, uh, the inmates running the asylum, from what I hear well, from that the, movie. And the problem was, the movie was supposed to be about the caddies. Yeah. It was supposed to be a caddy No, they got movie. too many famous And then comedians. they got Ted Knight, and they got Rodney Dangerfield, yeah. and they would kill it during their stuff, and then people, he's like, the director and the producers looking at each other like, we need to rewrite this thing. When you rewatch it, you you forget how much it is about, it's equally about the caddies. There's a lot of caddies. There's a lot of caddy there. stuff there, especially with Danny. He's yeah. the star of the movie. Yeah, yeah. You forget about that until you rewatch it. Most of the things you remember are the Carl stuff. But if you, like, I 
spent a lot of time on the golf course, and that movie gets quoted so much. Oh yeah, yeah, I bet. Still, like, yeah. You'll but that's on my. Like, hey, that's a nice hat. It's on my top hundred. <laughs> yeah, two great movies today. Now, Red Dawn is on my top hundred also. Okay. Is uh, so it's really only gonna be top if we're overlapping. Yeah, movies, if we're overlapping, then yeah. we might not even get through. Well, sets. I figure we're only gonna get a few weeks, anyways. I'll tell you what. I bet you fifty. I I bet you seventy percent of my movies are on your list. Yeah, probably. And it, that could be the way with Justin too, but maybe not. There's there's a lot of movies that are on I think on his that would be on my top 250, but not necessarily my top 100. And same with me, I'm sure too. But yeah, those are good movies. If you haven't seen them, definitely check them out. But if you want to get a hold of us, you could check us out on our Facebook page where you could see all the uh, the cool kind of collage photos we put uh, for every week's releases. And you can hit me or Justin up there. We're both on Facebook. Or you could leave us a message at fast, uh, films at gmail.com. Or you could just leave us a like or a comment on our two platforms, iTunes or SoundCloud. iTunes. iTunes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we will be back next week with two more movies. I wish I could tell you what two movies we're going to talk about, but we have no clue. But it will definitely be me and Justin talking about some uh, two of our favorite flicks. So until then, see you. Bye. Avenge me! Avenge me!